What's going on, Football MD fam? Thank you for joining us here on episode 22 of the Football MD podcast. My name is Michael Bowling. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Daniel Ronan, and we have an awesome episode for you guys today. Of course, the trade deadline was yesterday. There's a ton of fantasy-relevant trades that we're going to be touching on throughout our Week 8 recap. As we come to the teams, we're going to touch on any trades that may have occurred. We're also breaking down all fantasy-relevant news from this past week. But before we get into that, make sure that you guys are following us on Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We have a ton of content going out on there. And make sure you're heading over to footballmdpodcast.com for all of your NFL news, NCAA news, betting odds, everything that you guys need to get you through the 2018 football season. So make sure you're heading over there and checking it all out. And we'll get right into things, starting with the Thursday night game. Miami traveled to Houston, losing 42-23. to I'm not too surprised, but I do think getting Ryan Tannehill back within the next couple of weeks will benefit the team. But the guy to talk about in the passing game was the guy who has been a healthy scratch for a couple of weeks. His agent was making news storylines, talking about how Devontae Parker needed to be play- needed to be playing and stepped in on his first game and went six receptions for 134 yards. He looked like he was ready to go out there. He was very impressive. He ran great routes. He got open. He found space. He made tough catches. So I was very impressed with his performance. And the last thing I would like to talk to talk about before we wrap up the Dolphins is just the running game. Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore really seem to be splitting the backfield ca- carries pretty evenly. Although Frank Gore is very efficient in running in between the tackles, he doesn't offer you that top flight breakaway speed and big playability, especially even in the receiving game where Kenyon Drake offers a lot of upside as well. So just an all-around more versatile option and, and a little bit more of a higher upside play, Kenyon Drake should definitely be finding your way into your roster at least as a flex position, if not a little bit higher. Yeah, and this is just the third time all season that he's gotten 12 or more carries, so the usage still really isn't there to warrant him as a running back one or high-end running back two, but he has had 75 or more yards from scrimmage in four straight games with a touchdown in three of those four games, so definitely some optimism on him going forward. But to move over to the Texans side of the ball, Deshaun Watson, he looked like his 2017 self, throwing for 239 yards and five touchdown passes. I do think that he is a sell-high If you can right now, if someone's buying into this performance, he had just one touchdown per game in four of his previous seven games. So I definitely don't expect this stat line to continue, especially with that offensive line. And then Lamar Miller also played great again for the second week in a row. He had 18 carries for 133 yards and a touchdown. Now I know that there's been talk about Deontay Foreman coming back from injury and him potentially taking that job over. But Miller has been playing better as of late, and we don't know the type of player that Foreman is going to be. Remember, he is coming back from an Achilles tear. We know that injury can be devastating to running backs. See Arian Foster from a few years back. And for the passing game, two big bits of news here. The first is Will Fuller done for the season, and and this made Kiki Kuti a must-add solely off of the volume that he would be seeing. But then the Texans acquired Demarius Thomas yesterday, veteran wide receiver. It'll definitely be interesting to see how he's factored into that lineup. Of course, he will be involved with the injury to Will Fuller. So I do think that Kuti is still rosterable. He will be serviceable on the majority of weeks, especially in PPR formats. He is a very talented slot receiver. And as for Demarius Thomas, I really don't like wide receivers switching teams in the middle of the season. And I know he wasn't super productive over in Denver, so it really can't get too much worse. But I wouldn't view him as any more than a wide receiver four for your lineups right now. 
I wouldn't be too excited about him. I have him on one of my teams, and my outlook on him has not changed. And now moving over to our next game, the London game this week. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 24-18. to And on the Eagles side of the ball, Carson Wentz looked great. 286 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, added another 28 yards on the ground on six carries. And my only fantasy-relevant takeaway from this game is running back Josh Adams. He led the backfield with nine carries and 61 yards, and he's definitely an exciting player. I like his potential. I think that he should be rostered. But I just want to remind everyone that the best-case scenario for this guy is that he is the lead back in a committee, especially with Darren Sproles coming back. This backfield is just a mess. You don't know who it's going to be week in and week out. So while he should be rostered, he's not someone that you're going to be excited to start at any point throughout the season, in my opinion. And then the big news for the Eagles is that they acquired wide receiver Golden Tate from the Detroit Lions. And I think this is a great move for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think this definitely raises the ceiling and floor of Carson Wentz. It should open up the passing game, open up the running game. This is just a great move for that offense. And for Golden Tate, I think this is definitely a downgrade if you have him on your fantasy roster. He was seeing a 28% target share while in Detroit. And I'm not sure off the top of my head what the target shares look like for Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. But what I can tell you is that Tate is not going to see that same 28% target share in Philadelphia. I would be surprised if he hits a 20% target share. And for someone that's really never been a touchdown guy, he's more of just a volume, high receptions type player. I think this is 100% a downgrade for Tate. And for Nelson Aguilar, I think he's essentially droppable at this point with a skilled wide receiver like Golden Tate that should be playing out of the slot for the Eagles going forward. And on the other side of the ball, these Struggles continue for Jacksonville. Blake Bortles was very underwhelming and great for Blake Bortles, but obviously not what you want to see. He was the leading rusher, eight carries for 43 yards. So unless you're the Panthers with Cam Newton, you really don't want to see your quarterback leading and rushing. Carlos Hyde ran the ball six times for 11 yards, 1.8 yard average. With Leonard Fournette hopefully returning in week 10 or pretty soon, it almost seems like I don't know why they made that move to go get him. I really don't get it. It's really starting to be unclear to me. And of course, in true Jacksonville fashion, a running back led the receiving core with seven receptions on nine targets with 83 yards. He led in all three of those categories. He was mediocre on the ground, but when it came to catching the ball out of the backfield this weekend, TJ Eldon offered some great upside. And in our next game, Kansas City continues its domination, 30-23 to victory over the Denver Broncos. Don't get me wrong, it was a hard-fought game by the Broncos. They were absolutely in the game, had an opportunity to win, but that Kansas City defense was just lights out too much for the Denver Broncos in the end. The bright spots for the for the Broncos really, in my opinion, is Phillip Lindsay. 18 carries, 95 yards, 5.3 yards per carry average, one touchdown, and caught all three of his targets for an extra 17 yards. Phillip Lindsay continued to have a high per carry, carry average and efficiency productive day he was very good in and outside the tackles he makes big plays he can run people over he can run around you so I love Philip Lindsay's game going forward as long as Royce Freeman's out continue to start him even against the tough of toughest of matchups in my opinion because you're not going to be able to beat that combination of skill and opportunity the other thing to talk about in this offense was Cortland Sutton's big day three receptions for 78 yards on four targets and Emmanuel Sanders still the guy that you want to own but as we mentioned earlier Demarius Thomas was traded from Denver to Houston and that obviously opens the window for Cortland Sutton 
to take on more snaps and more targets. Last week alone, Demarius Thomas had seven targets. He actually led the team last week. And naturally, Emmanuel Sanders will recuperate some of those because in years, in weeks past, he has been dominating the target share. But obviously, some of those also go to Cortland Sutton. And with his skill set and the way he looks, he seems to be getting more and more comfortable, especially this past week. There's a lot of upside there, so he should be rostered if he's on the waiver wire and keep an eye on him going forward. If he continues to produce with that opportunity and he gets more opportunity, then he can be slid into your lineup at least as a flex play going forward. Yeah, I'm very optimistic on Cortland Sutton. I think he is going to be a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three going forward. So I love the opportunity that he's been seeing now. He's been on our Instagram waiver wire for a few weeks now, so it's ha- I'm finally happy to see him uh, step into this role. But on the Chiefs side of the ball, it's more of the same. Patrick Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, they continue to be ridiculous. Tyreek Hill, he did leave the game with a groin injury, so just something to monitor going forward. And the one player in the passing game that I really want to talk about is Sammy Watkins. He caught 8 of 9 targets for 107 yards, 2 touchdowns, and he's now had 74 or more receiving yards in 3 of his last 4 games. So while he does still remain as a wide receiver 3, he's not someone that you can rely on to get it done every single week just with how many high-powered weapons are on this offense. He has so much more upside than other players in that wide receiver 3 range. He really can win you your week any given week. And both of his touchdowns this past weekend came on short crossing routes where he did most of the work after the catch. So it was really nice to see the talent of Watkins shine a little bit on Sunday. But now right on to our next game, the Washington Redskins beat the New York Giants 20-13 to and Alex Smith, he reverted back to game manager mode, the 2017 MVP form that we saw from him. Those days are long behind us. They're going to continue to rely on Adrian Peterson, it seems like, in the run game. And Peterson has looked great. He had 26 carries for 149 yards and a touchdown this past week. He had another touchdown through the air. And I've really just been waiting for him to start declining. And he just keeps on doing it week in and week out. I still do have my concerns as the season progresses, being that he's already banged up and 33 years old. But for the time being, he looks great. And I will say a little asterisk next to this performance. Obviously, no Damon Harrison or Ogletree for the Giants is a bit more of a plus matchup for AP going into this game. But he really does look great on film, so it's just cool to see Peterson doing it again in the NFL. And then his backfield mate, Chris Thompson, he's still not 100%, so definitely a disappointing week here. He just wasn't the focus of the offense with his injuries, but I do expect better days ahead as he returns to health. And then in the passing game, Jordan Reed, they clearly want him to be involved, sending 12 targets his way, and he caught seven of those targets, which is great, but for just 38 yards. So it's frustrating, but that really isn't much better than anywhere else at the tight end position outside of Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, and even Gronk hasn't been playing up to his normal standards this season. So I think you just have to keep on rolling with Jordan Reed and hope something comes with the targets that he's been seeing. And the final thing that I want to talk about with the Washington Redskins is how well their defense has played. Over the last three games, they've held Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley to 31 rushes for just 91 yards and zero touchdowns. So definitely something to keep in mind when you have running backs going up against Washington. That may not be the matchup that we initially thought it would be going into the season. Yes, and they continue to improve. Right before the trade deadline yesterday, they acquire HaHa Clinton Dix from Green Bay. And HaHa Clinton Dix is actually Pro Football Focus's second-rated safety in the entire league 
up until this point in the season. The number one rated safety on that list is DJ Swearinger. Haha Clinton Dix, new teammate on the Redskins. So the Redskins already having the best safety in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus right now, Ed, the second best, to a defense that we just said is already performing very well, way above expectations. So definitely, definitely, definitely expect even more improvement from that group. And in all honesty, I think that they know, being first in the NFC East, that they are in a position to take this season very seriously and make a strong push because the NFC East is wide open and they want to capitalize. And the other side of the ball, there's not much to talk about, unlike the Redskins. The Giants continue to struggle, falling to 1-7. Eli Manning is throwing a ton and he's still not doing very well, two interceptions. The only two guys you would even consider, and you probably have to start, is Odell Beckham Jr. and Saquon Barkley. So we'll move right on to our next game. The Bucks take on the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati and fall short 34-37 to in a game that they shouldn't even have been in in the first place. The Bengals dominated right off the bat, and unfortunately for the Bengals, they allowed the Tampa Bay Bucks to crawl back into the game due, thankfully, to the heroic activity of Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in in the fourth quarter throwing 11 of 15 attempts 194 yards and two touchdowns with zero interceptions obviously he was he came in for Jameis Winston's relief because he had four interceptions on the day Jameis Winston not going to cut it so sorry for everybody who listened to us say that he was going to be a quarterback one Let's just say that that was Mike's prediction, not mine. <laughs> I do <laughs> I do apologize for that one, guys, and I bit the bullet this week, too, with Jameis Winston, so I'm right there with you. But we know Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick has had some upside. He played well in the fourth quarter. He played with, well in the beginning of the season. So he's going to be an attractive waiver wire, wire ad and streaming option. I will say, have some pause. Don't forget that. We've seen him hot and cold. This is Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is what he does. So if you are going to take the chance on him, yes, it might pay off. He might give you a couple of good weeks. Also be aware that he might give you a couple of bad weeks. And on a struggling Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, you can expect, and I can almost guarantee, quite a few weeks where he struggles and he doesn't produce. That being said, he does have plenty of weapons. So he will be able to put together some good weeks. The only consistent player in this offense that I would like is Mike Evans. He's a talented wide receiver and continues to get it done week in and week out, no matter who the quarterback is. So other than Mike Evans, really stay away from this offense unless there's a favorable matchup. And then on the Bengals side of the ball, I'm going to keep this one short. That offense has looked great. Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, they all had great days on Sunday. And for anyone that was concerned about Boyd moving forward, I think he proved this past week that you can continue to trust him as a wide receiver too going forward. And C.J. Uzoma, this is another tight end that I was pretty high on this week, and he didn't catch a single pass. I want to just chalk it up to the tight end position being gross, but this one was definitely disappointing. I expected much more from him in what should have been an awesome matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It just wasn't. Further goes to show you how little you can trust from the tight end position. Now, right on to our next game of the week, we have the Seattle Seahawks defeating the Detroit Lions 28-14, and on the Seahawks' side of the ball, Russell Wilson, he played incredible. He completed 14 of 17 passes for 248 yards and three touchdowns. 
My only issue with Wilson is that type of production really doesn't seem sustainable with that low of volume. He was essentially throwing a touchdown on every six passes that he threw on Sunday. So of course you can argue and say that when you're playing that efficiently, you don't need to throw the ball a ton, but you would like to see a little bit more in the passing game coming from Russell Wilson just from a volume standpoint. And then in the run game, Chris Carson, he had 25 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. He's averaging 4.83 yards per carry over his last three games. And the Seahawks offensive line has actually been playing very well. And Carson looks great, so you're going to continue rolling with him going forward. I know Mike Davis had 10 carries. Rashad Penny didn't get a single carry in this game, though. So Chris Carson, he's the guy that you want going forward. And then in the passing game, Doug Baldwin only saw three targets. He caught two of them for 26 yards, and I thought this would be a much better game since Darius Slay, he usually doesn't play the slot, and Wilson threw the ball, like I said, just 17 times, so that obviously factored into Baldwin's opportunity. So this was basically a touchdown or bust situation for everyone in that offense with that low of volume, but going forward, I think Baldwin is probably in that wide receiver three conversation rest of season a little disappointing but we know that he has those solid games in him he's just capped with the way that that passing attack has looked as of late and we'll keep Detroit quick but for the Detroit Lions Matt Stafford completes 27 passes for 310 yards and two touchdowns both to Marvin Jones in this game and on Johnson continues to dominate eight carries for only 22 yards but he had six receptions for 69 yards so he's still almost had 100 yards from scrimmage, and just continues to be very involved in the offense as a whole. The real news to note for Detroit, being that this was not one of their better games this season, is the departure of one Golden Tate. He was receiving a 28% target share, as you heard my co-host Mike talk about earlier. So that means there are going to be a ton of targets abandoned and wide open in this offense. And I think we know where they're going. They're going to be split between Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay has been playing very, very well. And I think... This indicates that they are comfortable going with the younger wide receiver at this point as a premier wide receiver in the NFL. So look for Galladay to benefit the most and Marvin Jones Jr. to benefit second. Yeah, I think Jones will be a little bit less touchdown dependent going forward now and a much more reliable option for your fantasy team. So definitely some optimism for Jones there. Moving right on to our next game, the New York Jets fall to the Chicago Bears 24-10. And there's not much to talk about with the New York Jets. Like we said, with a rookie quarterback at the helm, there are going to be ups and downs, and this week was not that great for them, traveling to a very hostile territory in Chicago. And the one real thing to note was, obviously with Anunua out, there was a lot of hype around Curse being the number one target in that offense, and it did happen. He did receive 10 targets, but he was just un- very unproductive, only caught three of them for 30 yards, so It just continues to reiterate what we know about the Jets. We really do not want any part of this offense going forward. Even Isaiah Crowell, 13 carries, 25 yards, 1.9 yards per carry average. The Chicago Bears defense is great. So maybe in a better matchup with that kind of opportunity, you're hoping a little bit better production. But definitely nobody that you want to rely on week in and week out. The Jets offense continue to struggle having ups and downs this season. And on the Bears side of the ball, no Allen Robinson or Khalil Mack in this game. As far as Mitchell Trubisky, 220 yards through the air, two touchdown passes, and over 50 rushing yards on the ground again. He now has 45 or more rushing yards in four straight games while throwing multiple touchdown passes in each of those. So while I've said it before, I'm not impressed with his real-life NFL play, but for fantasy purposes, he has proven himself to be an asset. And for the Bears' run game, Jordan Howard, 22 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. His volume at this point is solely 
tied to game script. It just doesn't seem like he's clicking with what that offense wants to be. And now with one of their guards, Kyle Long, going down with a foot injury on Sunday, not much optimism for him there going forward. That offensive line hasn't played well as is. And then we have Tariq Cohen. He got just six total touches in this one, and he happened to take his lone reception for 70 yards and a touchdown. But I really have no concerns over Cohen going forward. I said on last week's episode that this game would probably favor Jordan Howard, and I wouldn't be surprised if Howard has a decent game next week as well against the Bills. But I think Tariq Cohen will continue to be the more consistent player in this backfield. And for the passing game without Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, 3 for 37, and a touchdown in Robinson's absence, I said that he could have been a decent sleeper play in this one. Of course, the touchdown saved his day. And Trey Burton, three receptions for 18 yards. This is his fourth time falling short of 25 yards on the season. And I'm definitely disappointed with his performance. This is another one I thought he could have taken advantage of. But again, tight ends continued to fail me this week. Up next, the Baltimore Ravens fell short against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina, 36-21. to And the uh, Baltimore Ravens continue to rely on their defense. And in a game that their defense allowed 36 points, of course, they fall short with the loss. The offense is not very explosive. Alex Collins, the, the starting running back for, for the Baltimore Ravens, ended up with 11 carries, 49 yards, a 4.5 yard per carry average. And... He saved his day with a touchdown. Still not paying off because you had to draft him pretty early. And in the passing game, 10 different receivers caught passes from Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson this week, which to me shows that there is no one wide receiver worth looking at because you never know who's going to be productive and who's going to get the receptions in any given week. The ball is just being distributed too much. And lastly, Ty Montgomery's arrival from the Green Bay Packers should have an impact on their backfield obviously mostly Jarvis Allen who has been dominating the passing game from the backfield is going to struggle because Ty Montgomery a former wide receiver looks to probably dominate that that role and then on the Panthers side of the ball Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey they continue to be solid in the passing game Devin Funches he had a pretty down game but we said it last week he was going to be seeing a ton of Brandon Carr and Jimmy Smith so we said to avoid him if possible so no surprises there And Greg Olson, we also said that the Ravens, they have been slightly susceptible to tight ends on the season. And Olson scored his second touchdown in two weeks, saved his day there. I think he had 50 yards receiving, so pretty solid day. If you started him, you're definitely happy with that. The pass catching option that I really want to talk about is rookie wide receiver DJ Moore. He had a huge game. I think he is a must-add. Hopefully you grabbed him before waivers process today. He's now had five or more targets in three straight games and is averaging 14 yards per reception this season. He's also being used in the run game with, he's also being used in the run game, putting up an 18 plus yard rush in three of his last four games. So especially with six teams going on by in week nine, I think it's very likely that DJ Moore, who should be getting a ton of touches while he's on the field is going to find his way into a lot of rosters this week. Now moving right on to our next game, we have the Cleveland Browns falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 18 to 33. On the Browns side of the ball, this offense has just been struggling lately. Baker Mayfield, just 180 passing yards, two touchdowns and one interception. One of those touchdowns came in garbage time, which kind of saved his day, but definitely a disappointing performance here. In the run game, Nick Chubb, 18 carries for 65 yards. We knew that this would be a tough day for him. I said that I had my hesitations on Sunday's episode, but I'm still pretty confident in Nick Chubb's talent going forward. And in the passing game, Jarvis Landry caught 8 of 12 targets for 39 yards, and he actually led the team in receiving yards. So that's definitely not good, but that high volume is definitely promising. And David Njoku, another tight end that is just 
killing me this week. He wasn't even targeted. So this offense has just been a mess. Of course, head coach Hugh Jackson and offense coordinator Todd Haley were fired this past week. So it'll be very interesting to see what this offense looks like in the coming weeks. But as of right now, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, those are the only guys that you really feel confident about going forward, despite a disappointing performance this past week. And on the other side of the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the offense continues to roll. James Conner on the ground, 24 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. And in the receiving game, he had five receptions, 66 yards. So his domination continues. And then Antonio Brown, six receptions, 74 yards, and two touchdowns. Like I said, this offense just continues to roll. The real question, the only thing we really have to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers right now is the Le'Veon Bell situation. The reason why we have to talk about it is because we know that the rumors were saying he was just simply waiting for the trade deadline to pass as of Yesterday, the trade deadline is over, so now if he signs his franchise tag, he is untradeable because the trade deadline has already passed. That was his goal. His goal was to not get traded. Now he can return at any time. When do you, Mike, when do you think he returns? I honestly have no idea, and I'm honestly just tired of speculating what Le'Veon Bell is going to do, when the Steelers are going to bring him back, when they do bring him back, what type of opportunity that he's going to see. I think it's something that no one really knows what's going to happen, but I think it's an interesting question to bring up because what does James Conner become once Bell returns? Obviously, Conner has looked amazing over the course of this season, but we saw back when D'Angelo Williams looked great in the early portion of his season when he was covering for Bell, Le'Veon Bell came back and completely took over that backfield. So if you have James Conner, I think you're holding on to him for now. If you have Le'Veon Bell, you're holding on to him, and you're really just hoping for the best if you're on either side. You're hoping Bell comes back and takes the backfield, and if you have James Conner, you're hoping he doesn't. That's really all you can do. But now let's hop right into our next game, the Indianapolis Colts beating the Oakland Raiders 42-28. to And on the Colts' side of the ball, Andrew Luck played great again. He's now thrown for three or more touchdowns in five straight games, and he hasn't been sacked in three games. So definitely knock on wood with that one. But... Andrew Luck has looked great. In the run game, Marlon Mack, 25 carries, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. And Mack really could be a league winner. He now has 401 total yards and four touchdowns over the last three weeks. And my knock against him coming into the season was that he would frequently bounce plays outside a little bit too early. But he's been running between the tackles and looking great while doing it. And the Colts' offensive line has played very well, opening up big holes for a big play guy. So he's been able to take advantage of that. And Naeem Hines, he still remains involved, 11 carries. 78 yards a bit of an up and down schedule coming up for the Colts I think could bode well for Hines after their bye they play the Jaguars the Titans the Dolphins and the Jaguars once again so the more that the passing game has to be used in some of those tougher matchups to run the ball of course you can expect an uptick for Naeem Hines in those and definitely a down game for T.Y. Hilton catching one of five targets for 34 yards I'm still not concerned about him going forward he's the top receiving option on an Andrew Luck led offense and the big surprise for me here was Dontrell Inman He may have stolen the job from Ryan Grant, who really has not looked good this season, and Chester Rogers went down to just one target in this game. So Dontrell Inman, definitely someone to keep your eye on. And then, of course, the return of Jack Doyle. He caught six receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. I think both Doyle and Eric Ebron will be fantasy viable going forward, but Doyle does seem to be the more reliable player. It's just Eric Ebron might fall into that tier of tight ends that are really just relying on a touchdown week in and week out. And on the other side of the ball for the Raiders, a very disappointing outcome with Derek Carr having a very, very good day. 21 completions on 28 attempts, 244 yards, 
three touchdowns and no interceptions. That is a very efficient and solid productive day. He had a 136.6 quarterback rating. You can't really ask for much more. It's just unfortunate that Indianapolis was able to put up 42 points today. Oakland unable to play any defense. As a holder, team continued struggles. Although it was a good game for Derek Carr, he was really the only one. Doug Martin filling in for Marshawn Lynch did have 13 carries for 72 yards, but didn't offer much in the passing game because Rashard handled eight receptions for 50 yards. The only consistent offensive weapon for the Oakland Raiders is Jared Cook, and with the very thin, disgusting tight end position, we are always going to advocate for somebody who continues to produce, and Jared Cook on five targets had four receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown adding to his already very solid season. And that's really all we have for the Oakland Raiders. And now we'll move right into our next game of the week, the Green Bay Packers falling to the LA Rams 27-29. to The big story here is the run game. Aaron Jones, he finally got the work. 12 carries, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Jamal Williams got just four carries that he took for nine yards. He did score a touchdown. But other than that, a very lackluster performance. And Ty Montgomery, he had that bad fumble at the end of the game that basically ended the game for the Packers. And now he's traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. So this opens up way more opportunity, in my opinion, for Aaron Jones. I do think that he is going to be the clear-cut lead back going forward. I've been calling for this for a while. And of course, this could come back to bite me by going all in like this. But I think the talent has to come through at some point, And I think that's finally what we're seeing here. And then in the passing game, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he was still involved even with Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb back into the lineup. He outsnapped both. I do think it's going to be pretty difficult to trust any of these guys on a weekly basis. Devontae Adams is the clear-cut number one, and he's the guy that you want every single week, no questions asked. And then Jimmy Graham, I think he is the second safest pass-catching option on this team. I know that he caught just one of four targets for 21 yards in this one, but he was called down just short of the goal line on what would have been a touchdown and would have completely altered his stat line for the week and that's really what we're relying on for most tight ends on a weekly basis is just that they happen to fall into the end zone so for someone like Graham that has been getting it done with receptions and with yardage week in and week out I don't think you're going to have any concerns about continuing to start him next week and so forth and then on the other side of the ball really nothing has to be said about the Los Angeles Rams the last and only unbeaten team in the NFL they continue to dominate Todd Gurley continues to go off the only thing we we want to touch on this week is Josh Reynolds. You know, he was getting a lot of hype as a streaming option with Cooper Cup out, and he did catch three passes for two touchdowns. Just realize that that is not something that we would buy into. It would be much more impressive if he had a, you know, four to six reception game with 60 to 70 yards. Yes, that would have been less points, but it would be a lot more reliable than the two touchdowns. Those could go to any wide receiver in that offense any given week. So this week, yes, they go to Reynolds, but next week is not likely to repeat. So continue to roll out Cooks, Gurley, Woods, and when Cup returns. But besides that, I wouldn't push the envelope too much. And before we get to our primetime games of the weekend, we have the San Francisco 49ers falling to the Arizona Arizona Cardinals 18-15. to in what was a pretty tight matchup. And both of these teams are struggling. You don't really want too much of either offense. For the San Francisco 49ers, the only guy you continue to want is George Kittle, who had five receptions for 57 yards. Like we said, with a very thin tight end position, Kittle has been a pleasant, pleasant surprise. 
But what I would like to talk about is not really fantasy relevant because it's not like you're throwing this guy into your lineup. But I just want to say from a football standpoint, watching the game, I am relatively impressed with C.J. Beathard's performances. Now, he only completed 14 passes on 28 attempts, 190 yards, one touchdown, but no interceptions. He's been serviceable, and in my opinion, he can throw the ball pretty well. I like his arm. I like his talent. I think he's better than most backups that other teams have. So it is unfortunate you're not getting the Jimmy Garoppolo production from that offense. But I don't want to blame C.J. Beathard because I do think he's been a pretty good quarterback. And I am really impressed with his play. Not too fantasy relevant, not too exciting, but something that I thought was worth noting. Giving some credit when credit is due. And then on the Cardinals side of the ball, Byron Lethwich's first game as the offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals looked pretty promising. David Johnson, 16 carries for 59 yards, added 41 yards through the air. So you definitely like to see that. And he was lining up as a wide receiver quite a bit more than he has previously throughout this season. So a little reminiscent to 2016 there. And Larry Fitzgerald in the passing game, he finally looks healthy. He saw 12 targets, caught 8 of them for 102 yards and a touchdown. Seems like he may finally be turning into a more focal point of that offense, which is really just nice to see. I feel like a lot of people were rooting for Larry Fitzgerald to turn his season around, and I'm not saying that that's what this performance necessarily means. I know that offensive line is still bad and Josh Rosen is still developing, but you do like to see that for a veteran wide receiver that's so well-respected in the game. And in the Sunday night primetime game, the Miracle in Minnesota rematch, New Orleans gets their revenge, beating the Minnesota Vikings 30-20, to and the New Orleans offense continues to roll. It is a very impressive unit. Drew Brees did not have to do much, only throwing for 120 yards and one touchdown in this game. Obviously an anomaly, and going forward, continue the passing game to improve. Obviously, Michael Thomas, the consistent option in the passing in the receiving game. But Traycon Smith, a guy that we said to keep an eye on, definitely still being targeted and involved in the offense. This week wasn't a great week for him, only catching three for 18 yards. But a guy you just want to hold on to, you're not going to rely on him week in and week out, but he is a valid streaming option going forward. Just wait it out a little bit longer and wait to see a little bit more production before getting him into your lineup. But what we all really care about with this New Orleans team right now is breaking down that backfield. And right now it's a complete even split, 13 carries apiece. Alvin Kamara did have more receptions, 7 to Mark Ingram's 3, but he wasn't any more productive. Alvin Kamara only had 31 yards. Mark Ingram had 29. But Mark Ingram was on the better on the ground with 63 yards to Alvin Kamara's 45. They are being used pretty much right down the middle. They're both receiving targets. They're both receiving carries. And this week, Alvin Kamara got the touchdown, which gave him the edge. But any given week, I think both of these guys are worth being played and being and worth being into your lineup. And then on the Vikings side of the ball, really not much to cover here. The offensive pieces that you've been starting, you're going to continue starting. Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, they all looked great. And in the run game, Latavius Murray, you're going to keep on rolling with him as long as Dalvin Cook is out of the lineup. Murray had 13 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown this past week. And it's looking like Cook won't return until at least after their week 10 bye. So at least one more week for Latavius Murray. Keep him locked into your lineups in week 9. And then for our final game of the week, Monday night, the New England Patriots beating the Buffalo Bills 25-6. On the Patriots' side of the ball, James White, 
He continues to be a top 10 option at the position with Sony Michelle out. And there's really not much more to cover from this team except for Josh Gordon. He played a ton of snaps despite rumors of him being limited for disciplinary purposes, whatever that meant. Those rumors did not seem to be true as he ran 42 of 47 passing routes in that game. And he now has 22 targets over the last three games. So I know that this wasn't a big day here, but he was matched up against Tredavious White. So I'm expecting big things from Josh Gordon going forward throughout the season. And on the other side of the ball for the Buffalo Bills, absolutely nothing to talk about. There is no fantasy relevant players on this team except for the one lone bright spot in LaShawn McCoy. And honestly, you're going to start him week in and week out just because he gets a ton of opportunity and he is a very talented player and he can be very efficient, whether it be on the ground or in the passing game. But since there's not much fantasy relevant information, I will just say for the Buffalo Bills, Believe it or not, the score does not do this game justice. This was a very competitive game, and the Buffalo Bills, I was impressed with their output. Obviously, they are not a very good team this season with only two wins, and there are no moral victories in the NFL. But something to build on with this Buffalo Bills team was the defensive production through three quarters. The New England Patriots were held without a touchdown until the fourth quarter. They ended up with only one touchdown in the entire game and it came in the fourth quarter but for the first three quarters the Buffalo Bills played not only great defense but were in the game and had a, a very competitive AFC East matchup unfortunately like we said no fantasy relevant information and the Buffalo Bills is a bad team where you're kind of looking for the bright spot but if there was any bright spot on that team it is LaShawn McCoy and that defense that's all we have for you guys today we thank you for joining us as per usual. Remember, we know we drill this to you guys all the time, but hit our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook for premium quality content at Football MD Pod or go to our website for the same and more content at FootballMDPodcast.com. We know that October is just about over, guys, but we want to remind you we do still have breast cancer awareness t-shirts available and we want to make sure that we sell all of them before we donate our proceeds to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So remember, get in contact with us whether it be through our social media pages or email or our website. Just get in touch with us. Get your shirts. They're only $20. It goes to a great cause and you'll be representing not only the Football MD podcast but also breast cancer awareness and that wraps up episode 22 thank you guys for tuning in and make sure that you're keeping an eye out for our next episode dropping later this week our week nine preview getting you ready with everything that you'll need to dominate your matchups this week until next time guys thank you again guys